Welcome on in. Enswell Boxing, Ireland's boxing podcast. I'm Al Rich. Click on the link in the attached show notes. You'll find all our previous episodes. If you want to get in touch, suggestions, ideas, you'll find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or you can email us at endswellpod at protonmail.com. Do your best. It's always good enough. What is he talking about now, you might ask yourself. Well, come on. I'll just give you an idea of what I'm thinking. You are welcome on in. Christmas is just about done. The eating, nowhere near done. The drinking, probably not nearly done either yet. How's it been? Have you enjoyed? Hope you've had a hope you've had hope you've had everything you hoped and wished it would be. For some, that's not much. Not some people don't need a whole lot. For others, for a specific shall we say a sort. They need everything and everything more and more and more and more and more and more is still not enough. And look, if that's what you're into, good luck to you. It's not for me. It's been a it's been a it's been a good one for me. I gotta say, I went out my way, made it my business to make sure that it genuinely was the best one yet. And it has been. And I'm not done yet. I've got a I've got a box of Budweiser, I've got a bottle of Jack, I've got a whole lot of food, and I've got a whole lot of writing to do. Sorry. I was talking about your best, doing your best. And something that struck me over the Christmas, something that you see, something that I see, I, I like to, I suppose, I, I love watching from a distance. Not not creeping or perving or anything like that. Um, I just, it fascinates me, behaviour and uh, lack of sometimes, with people. And what I see is sometimes, sometimes, you, have you ever noticed, whether it's yourself or with somebody else, that nothing they do is good enough nothing for some ever some people can bend over backwards they could walk on their hands sideways and it still wouldn't be enough and others there's another particular type who just look out for themselves all the time whether it's I want this I want that I don't want this I don't want that I want to go here I want to go there me 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 and they manage to somehow, with most, just just be taken for who they are and what they are. And everything they do is, is amazing and great. Never understood it. Don't understand it. Don't want to understand it, if I'm being honest with you, because it's, um, it's, yeah, I don't know what word I even to put on it. It's just not for me. So, a... I would always say, and whether it's to a kid or to a person or to anyone, do your just just do your best. Do do what you can. And if that's enough, and if that's that's enough, and if it's good enough for some, it's good enough. It's cool. That's the way it is. And if it's not, well then you can't do any more. So how how much more can you do than your best? You can't. So just. Let it be that. Let it be a case of, oh, well, I did my best, and sure, it's not good enough. But invariably, what you'll find, invariably, for that particular sort, if you if you're if you are one of those people, I'm not saying you are, because your your best here will always be good enough. Your best, whether it's interaction, comments, feedback, ideas, anything, comment, always be enough. Always good, bad, or indifferent. For me, always 
because it's easy to see when someone is doing their best. It's easy to read. It's easy to see. It's so easy if you want. And that's what I'll say to you over the next couple of days and weeks and whatever this new year it holds for us because it's going to start off rocky. It's going to start off tough. It's going to start where it left off, but it will get better. It will. It will. And I always find whether it's January of 2020, January of 1990, it doesn't matter. It's always the same. It's a grind. It's a grind to get yourself up out of bed. It's a grind to get out to go to work. It's a grind to get the kids up, to get them back to school. It's whatever. But this year, you've got a little bit of an extra grind. You've got a little bit less oil on the wheels. That's okay too. Go with it. Do your best. And do your best Monday. And do your best Tuesday. And your best Wednesday will be a little bit better than your best on Tuesday. But keep going. And your best Thursday might not be as good as it was on Wednesday. But keep going. Because invariably... As the wheels keep turning, the wheels keep grinding, they will turn easier. And everything will start to run smoothly. And when spring comes, this, the, the, little, the little bit of stretch in the evenings, the little bit less extreme weather, the birds will be in the trees, they'll start to see life growing. Everything starts to look better, even if it's not. And then you start to... Wheels just start to turn a little bit easier. So do your best. And whatever else that may be, it's always going to be good enough. Today's guest, Connor Slater, promoter, manager, and one of the busiest in the business over the last 12 months. When people think of promoters and managers, they'll think slick, smooth, slippery, cheeky, brash, uh, hard, hard to pin down, all of those cliched images and ideals that you would expect to surround a promoter and manager. And he has all those qualities. But he differentiates himself from the pack, from the norm, by adding the personal caring touch, by that individual approach, not a one-size-fits-all, and which is very unusual in his business and in the boxing business for some, because we've seen quite a few lately who are about the numbers, all about the numbers, and they think that's what counts. They'll find out soon enough. To build something worth having and worth keeping, I believe, it goes beyond numbers. And I believe the personal touch and the personal relationship stands the test of time. And I spoke to Connor a couple of years ago. He was the go-to man at Assassin Promotions, which um, are no longer in existence. And I guess when it folded, Connor will tell you the story here now that he had some decisions to make. And, and for me, he made the right decisions. It was great to catch up with him. It was two or three days before Christmas, just before Tiernan Bradley's last fight of the year, where they were about to go 20 for 20 at the end of the year. 20 fights, 20 wins. Now, when you think about what that involves in a year that was racked with crisis, racked with inactivity, riddled with chaos, through all that, Conor Slater and his fighters managed to have 20 wins out of 20 fights. And he joined me, as I said, a couple of days before Christmas to talk about that, to talk about his previous promotions, to talk about his future promotions and how he manages to keep it all going and where it comes from. Pleasure to chat with you again, Connor. It doesn't seem all that long ago, my man. How are you keeping? Yeah, I'm all good. I'm all good. How are you keeping yourself? Uh, not too bad. Not too bad. You ready, you ready for the Christmas, yeah? Well, that's it. Yeah, just finishing up now for the year and... Uh... We have turning out this this Sunday, so that will be the that'll be twenty twenty finished, and hopefully 
on to better things now for 2021. Well, mate, I tell you one thing: there's a lot of promoters. <laughs> there's a lot of promoters that would only would be more than happy to do what you did over the last few months, uh, in particularly in this year. But we, we'll get to that in a few minutes. But um, yeah, Tiernan Tiernan is is out in Spain on on Sunday night. It's a it's a second fight, isn't it? It's a second pro fight. That, that's a second fight. Yeah, so we fought in October in Poland, and now he's he, he was supposed to fight on the last one a couple of weeks ago in Spain. Um, at the end of November when Tony and Dylan and Victor or Vlad fought on that show but he had to hold off for a couple of weeks so he's out, out there on his own now we were desperate to get him out before Christmas and there's so many shows that were happening weren't happening might be cancelled might be on might be off and honestly because he'd been training all the way up since you know a week after his last fight in October so I was desperate because you don't want it hanging over you going into the, the new year you know where do, can I can I have my Christmas dinner can I go out for pints with my mates you want to just be finished yeah. for the year. So uh, luckily we, we were able to get, get a show on the this Sunday, December 20th, which is really the last the last slot before Christmas. And um, hopefully he'll make it 2-0 now. Um, it'll be his first six-rounder as well. So stepping up to six rounds. And he has a durable opponent on Sunday. So I, I could see him going going the distance or at the very least, at least four or five rounds, definitely. Yeah, I gotta admire the young man because he's he's um he's done what many others wouldn't. I mean, his connections early early in his career for anyone that isn't aware. Of course, he was involved with camp Conor McGregor's camp, and uh, many lads would have tried to build a career off that. But no, in fairness to him, he went the opposite direction and he's building his own identity. And he's a uh, he's a he's he's TB himself, and and it's 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 a credit to him. Tell me this, uh, Conor. Is there a trick or a secret, or what is the secret to these Spanish shows? Or these, like in in the year that's been, it's everybody knows that there's most promoters. I suppose if we're been small hall shows and stuff like that, are were non-existent. What, what was it that you did? You guys, how did you manage to source these shows, and, and and what is it about Spain that makes them so so plentiful? Yeah, well, so to kind of start from the beginning of the year, um, well, like the, the show shows in Ireland, the you know there there is a lot going on up in Belfast, but even. In Belfast, there's not that much going on compared to across the continent in terms of the UK and Spain and Germany and all these different places. So even at the start of the year, we kind of realized that, you know, we'd have to get creative with where we're going to get opportunities. Nobody's going to hand us anything. Nobody's going to just give us these uh, handouts um, throughout the year. So even back in January, January, February, March, Ryan O'Rourke, um, he, he debuted in London, then fought in Bristol, then fought in Manchester. Um, Dylan fought over in Germany Vlad was over in Poland uh, so we were we were always kind of you know a bit different a bit out there finding these opportunities because as I said nobody's going to just you know hand you any opportunities or um, or do anything for you or really there's, there's not much shows happening in, in Ireland so that, that was our thought process then and then obviously the world came to a standstill in, in mid-March and luckily it was um, March 13th I had Paddy Nevin, the heavyweight, and Ryan O'Rourke fighting in Manchester. And then within two days, um, and the week before that, I had Vlad in Poland. And within two days, obviously, the the lockdown happened. So we were really lucky to get guys out just before the, the pandemic hit. But then it was about, I don't know, maybe mid-July, where things were starting to look like they were going to pick up. Obviously, this was before a second wave type thing. And things were starting to kind of look like, you know, there might be a bit of, positivity in terms of shows happening I think it was just around the time that Matchroom had announced their fight camp so there was there's kind of you could see shows starting to get scheduled again for September October um, in 
in the UK and further afield. So um, I sat down with the guys that we had there. There's a couple of guys that like Tony and Tiernan who were looking to turn pro and even the guys like the Ryans and Victor uh, who are who were already pro. And I, I kind of just sat down with them and said, listen, the world's not going to be back to normal for another 12 months potentially. We can either sit here, you can t- keep doing your training thing, improving every day in the gym, but not fight. Or we'll just have to, and the words that I used to the lads were adapt and get creative. So we have to adapt to the situation. There isn't going to be shows in the national stadium. There's probably not even going to be shows up in the Devonish. And there probably won't be many shows in York Hall or in um, in Bolton or in Bristol or any of these shows that we get the guys on. So we kind of have to, or further afield to America, obviously the travel ban was, was in place. So we, we were like, listen, we have to adapt to this and get creative. And really a lot of people there's a lot of negativity around the boxing world at that time and I kind of just said to the guys listen take this as a huge opportunity if we can get out to Spain to Poland to Germany to wherever and build your experience get the wins in do everything that you'd be doing anyway fighting these kind of you know inverted commas journeymen you'd be doing that anyway even if it was on a York Hall show or in a National Stadium show Uh, but if we can do that now you're really going to push on in these 12 months when so many other boxers are inactive. So I'm looking at Tony Brown there saying, listen, Tony, you can wait another 12 months and you won't be left behind. You'll be in the same position as everybody else is because everybody else is going to be standing still for the next 12 months. So you won't be left behind. Or you can take this opportunity and maybe fight four, five, six times in the next 12 months. And all of a sudden, you're ahead of the people that have been pros for the last three years. Uh, and the lads to, to their credit really bought into that and said yeah you know um, let's do that and I suppose in terms of the con- like again it was that kind of mid-July period where I was looking at my contacts list looking at shows on BoxRec where it was and luckily um, there's a promoter in Spain I can't give him any more um, praise Coke Jorge Sanchez his nickname's Coke that's, that's what we call him but uh, basically how I met him was um, last October so over a year ago now, um, we were in Germany for Vladimir Bluski was fighting for a WBC youth world title. Now, Vlad lost that fight. Um, listen, it was a really tough fight. It was on two weeks notice. But Vlad lost that fight. Um, and after after the fight, we went for a bite to eat. And Vlad said, listen, it's an early start. Flight in the morning back to Dublin. I'm going head up to bed. But me and Vlad's trainer and... My dad was over and Vlad's other trainer was uh, coming. We went out to this Irish bar, had a few drinks. And the main event that night on that show in Germany was a local German boxer fighting for a WBC international title against a Spanish boxer. And the Spanish boxer upset the locals and won the title fight. So next thing, we're in this Irish bar and this Spanish boxer comes in with his manager holding up the WBC title. So we joined in with the, I think they bought us a few drinks as they were celebrating. And it turned out to be this Spanish promoter who we kind of just clicked on the night. We spoke about boxing. Um, and I hadn't, I hadn't spoken to him in, what, nine months. And then I dropped him a text and said, listen, we met in Germany on the WBC title fight with Vlad. Um, do you have any shows coming up? And he said, yeah, I have a show in September. And since then, um, the rest is history, really. And we've been out. This is our third or fourth show that we've done with the with Jorge over in Spain. That's and that's really had the... Yeah, that's, that's how the connection came about and he's been good as gold and honestly, we, we had in September, so September was the first one, we had Victor out, Dylan Moran was out and Ryan was out, so that's um, three there. And then we had Poland and 
the guy over in Poland, his name's Rafael. Um, he's the manager of Marius Vak, the heavyweight who oh, yeah. just fought. He just fought uh, Huey Fury there on the Anthony Joshua Pulev card. And how I know him, about three years ago, four years ago, he rang me looking for Southpaw sparring partners for Marius Vak. Um, under they were looking for five foot ten southpaws um, for for heavyweight, and I gave them Paddy McDonough and JJ McDonough, who were only light heavyweights at the time, but they went over there anyway, um, and uh, we just got on really well from there. Yeah, so I've known him a few years, and then he said, "Listen, I'm putting together a show in in Poland. Do you need people on the show?" And I said, "Yeah, definitely." And um, we had the guys out again: Dylan, Victor, Paul Highland Jr., who's obviously managed by Mark Dunlop. He came over with us. Um, and yeah, that's that's really how it's how it's gone um, since the since the lockdown. So really, really, it's it's a case of um, the lads are having to, I suppose, being honest about it without getting into the personal details and the information. They're not going to make a whole lot on it on these shows because they're having to travel and everything else. But what they're doing is they're not letting the grass grow under their feet. They're keeping themselves training. They're in camp pretty much constantly, but they've got a fight at the end of each camp as well, which is something that as you know and I know and everybody else around boxers knows when they have a date on the horizon those guys are different animals they're totally different when they don't have a date and they don't know what's coming they're, they're the grumpiest surliest sour dour you can get no good out of them for anything 100% no that was that's exactly it and I couldn't have put any any better And I've seen firsthand so many times and every boxer is different but 90% of the boxers they find it hard like you know I, I always tell the lads lads on the drop of four weeks, you should be ready for a six rounder. Like always, stay that sort of fitness. Like I'm not saying you have to be dying twenty four seven, but stay that sort of fitness. But at the end of the day, and I've seen it, and I, listen over the lockdown, I was trying to do a bit of training myself, and I could not know if things were happening, or whatever else. I felt I felt their pain for the first time now, thinking to myself, yeah, Jesus, actually, when you don't know if all this is going to be worth it, what's the point in doing that extra five percent? And it really does play on your mind psychologically but um no that you, as you said that that's exactly spot on um like none of this would have been possible i've been really lucky and the lads are really fortunate that um they've unbelievable sponsors really really top top level sponsors that that make it possible in terms of their own expenses the fights don't come cheap over there so um no the lads won't be uh the lads won't be rolling in the cash just yet off these fights but exactly as you said like in, in terms of victor Ryan and Tony, they've all signed promotional deals over with Star mm. Boxing. I was going to come to that now in a few minutes, actually. I was actually yeah, sorry, I, 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 but, but, but so, so they're, and they're on kind of, you know, without going into the details, guaranteed cash purses, happy days, don't have to sell any tickets. They, they're, they're the A side in the fight and they're, they're going to get built well over there. They're, they're, they'll be earning good money off them sort of fights. So at the moment, it's like, right, listen, we can, but again, you know, I was talking to Joe from Starbucks the other day, and we're looking at April maybe for for things to be picked up over there. But I know New York is quite badly affected. But as I said to the lads, listen, if you want to no sweat, if you want to just train for the next nine months and wait for that great opportunity over in in America and start earning good money over there, absolutely no problem. But if you want to sit there, graft even twice as much, look for sponsorship. You know, do sacrifice a lot of things because you know they're training without having bundles of money coming in um then let's do that because you're going to be in such a better position come march april may whenever we can go to america to be earning more money to be more experienced to be more ready for these 
because I'll tell you, over in America, they don't do easy fights. You know, as as much as the lads will be favourites in their fights, and they should, like you know, they're they're not being thrown in the deep end. The American journeymen really, really yeah. um, come to win, and, that, and that's one thing I, I do want to say. Like, um, we went over to Poland, and the opponents were a bit like, listen, the opponents that we had in Poland, four or five of them had had boxed in Ireland, the UK, many times. Like, you know, you'd see see them kind of on the circuit over here as the, the Polish journeyman, you know, if you go to a show, if you look back through any show in the National Stadium in the last five years, they're littered with all Polish journeymen, really. That's what they're they're made up of. And same in the UK. Uh, so them guys, the guys we fought over there were like, you know, almost uh, household names for boxing fans in Ireland. But again, they were a bit soft on, on, on one side. Then you go to Spain. And honestly, I tell you, I don't know. Well, I do know what it is. I'll explain it in a second. But the Spanish journeymen, journeymen's disrespectful to call them that, are incredible. And so basically, Jorge Coque, the promoter over there, he's, he's done a few TV shows um, with Eurosport and with the kind of Spanish main terrestrial TV station over there. And when he has the kind of away boxers coming in who typically are just there to do a job, they let the not let the home boxer win, but the home boxer's there to win. You know, you know what it's like. Yep. Uh, he he tells them away boxers. He says, if you do not try 110%, I'll never have you on the show again. And he does that because he wants great competitive fights yeah. for, his, for his stream so that he can go back to the TV stations and say, look at this. I've just had four hours of 50-50 competitive fights. The way you put it to them was we, get, we, can, uh, we need to adapt and get creative. And that's something I believe the new face of boxing, the new way of boxing. I think even, okay, look, it, it sucks, right? We we love crowds. We all love the big shows. We all love all the, all that goes with it. But it really and truly, those shows were starting to get, like you're starting to get 10, 11, 12 fights in a card. And you're thinking, really? Do we, do we really need that? You know, and a lot of that is to generate the revenue then. But now it's streamlined it a little bit. Okay. When the crowds come back, maybe six, seven fights on a card won't be the, That'd be great, and then you're you're dealing with guys like yourself who are promoting on shows. You're willing to give to give give up, should I say, sacrifice to make in the long run. And the lads are all earning and learning more so than earning as they go as well. So when it does kick back into gear, Victor told me in the middle of lockdown, and and to be honest, Vic was was brutally honest with me. He was struggling in that sense. He was missing the camaraderie. He was missing the banter and and. But he was grinding and he was fucking grinding, mate, when everyone else was getting fat like me and sitting around getting unfit. And yeah. <laughs> and uh, now look at him. Now look at the smile. All you got to do is look at his social media and look at the smile. It, he doesn't exactly, need to say a yeah. word. It bre- he beams across those photos. And it's a credit to you. It's a credit to Steve. It's a credit to the team and, and to Koke and to Rafael and all those guys. I, I yeah. genuinely believe and I and I, I can't tell I wouldn't say this if I didn't believe it I believe that when things do crank back into gear you're the fellas that are going to be remembered and I hope I hope so I genuinely hope so no I appreciate that and and listen I think that the proof will be in the pudding now where like the likes of Victor and Dylan who are who are kind of ready for them big big fights now they'll be ready come March April where you might have a guy who was quite high up in the rankings or whatever else but he's been in active for 14 15 months and he's now told you have to go straight into a ten round, twelve round fight, and he might be him and honing about that. And then, but the promoter might say, "Listen, you either fight this fight or you don't, or you might be waiting another three or four months." Yeah. And they'll have to jump at that. You know, it might not suit them, but they'll have to jump at that. Whereas Dylan, Victor, all them guys, they're they're ready. They they no ring rust. They've been improving fitness, and there's no, you can't buy 
the experience in the ring. And, and there's, there's a fella that you've mentioned three or four times, and I can't but sing his praises. I've got nothing but love and admiration for Dylan Moran because um, Dylan's story is like it's very similar to Tennyson in a way. It didn't go well for him, and there's an awful lot of lads wow. would have put their head under their wing and disappeared and gone. Not a chance. That man is grafted. He's grinded. He's reinvented himself. He's been out. He's had more setbacks, and look at him. I couldn't <laughs> be happier for him because there's a classic example. If you want something. You'll do whatever you have to do to get it. And it's a credit to him. He's a special fella. Yeah, no, 100%. I was with Dylan there about an hour ago. He, was collect- he parked his car at, uh, at my house there because I'm not too far from the airport. So he's collecting. He's just, he's just home from... He's just uh, home. Yeah, he's touched down. Yeah, he's just, just home. And I think he could be heading back over in a week or so. Uh, but just home for the Christmas now. When we spoke initially in the early days, you were um, you were the man at Assassin Promotions who had the... It wasn't your setup. It wasn't your company. But... Being honest about it, the connections and the, and the relationships with the fighters were yours. You were the guy that the fellas re- related with. And I think that's, um, is that fair to say? Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah and yeah, and when that went, right. when that went wherever it went, we're not going, that's another story. That's for someone else's there. But, um, you then had a choice. Was it always going to be what it is now? Was it, was it that the easy way? Cause it seems natural now. It looks, you've made it look seamless. But what was that transition like to setting up your own business and, and going from there? Yeah, well, to be fair, um, just after the what show was the Clash of the Titan Jaws, which was the Eric Donovan was headlining that Stephen um, McAfee live on. Yeah, correct on TG Carr. About a week after, that, you know, doing the shows was so um, so draining, and it was a really really long kind of eighteen months. We went straight from like in in a space of eighteen months. And listen, I can't complain. I had it off really in boxing that. You know, we, we traveled over to LA to Freddie Roach's gym. We had fighters then in Tijuana. I had fighters in France, Germany, Saudi Arabia. We did three TV shows in 12 months. We did five shows in total. We did WBC title fights. I think three WBC title fights. We've, we really, you know, that it was a whirlwind of an 18 months. And after that last show, um, the Clash of the Titans one, I just, I just called it a day then. Um, and I just said, do you know what? I'm kind of burnt out at this stage. I think you had Ray um, Moylet as well in, in Castlebar. Was that yours? Was Ray that- Moylet? Yeah, 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 yeah. That was that was so that was about four months. So we, we we did we had done five shows in the space of fourteen months, I think. Um, and you know, a, a, along with that, we had guys over in Saudi Arabia, over in Mexico, in the UK. Most weeks, you know, there was over thirty, forty boxers that were that were signed and. Um, so it was really hectic. So anyway, stepped back from it and kind of just wanted time for myself just to kind of think and weigh things up. I was, I'm only young myself, but I felt like I was getting older very quickly because all, all my kind of, the time was just flying by. I was like, you know, one minute it was 2017, the next minute it was 2019 and yeah. I didn't know where the time was going, you know, because uh, you were just, you were literally flowing from one show to the other. Do you know that sort of way? Yeah. It was just week on week. It was just, um, it was all kind of one one long month really and, and, and in doing that though you were doing it in the name of somebody else you were doing it on somebody else's banner so yeah, it was it was and, yeah you were an employee more or less I, I had no real well listen I didn't really know what I wanted to do um, but then it was about a month or two and then Assassin um, closed and there was a couple of guys around and listen I, I still didn't have any real intentions now then a couple of guys got in contact with me um, and said listen I'm thinking about um, signing with these guys um, or I'm thinking about doing this over in England and 
loads of different guys. And I said, I, I, I wanted to protect them because I've known them from, like, you know, I, I, for four or five years at that stage. And I was, I was thinking to myself, oh, you know, no, you should do it this way, actually. Or actually, you know, and I was like giving them advice when it, w- it wasn't my place to be giving them advice, if, if you know what I mean. And they were begging me to come back and manage. And I said, no, I'm not. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. And then just one day, I kind of just decided. I sat down with my with my dad, who's been really supportive over the years with boxing. Um, and he said, listen, you can't waste this opportunity. There's guys there that are that really want you to manage them. You're good at what you do. Um, and you can make it work. Listen, you will be starting from scratch. But at the end of the day, you have the, you have boxers there. You have that um them connections there and also connections throughout boxing because you know it's i've been working in boxing since i was 18 so i've been there now it's a small it's years. a small little world really isn't it when you yeah exactly <laughs> exactly yeah no no 100 percent. and um there's there's not many people in boxing that i can't ring up on, on off my phone book or if there is somebody in my phone book will have their number if that yeah. makes sense that's a, and that goes for most people in boxing I have, that's just I, do you know that's a lesson breaking. that lesson only really dawned on me this year and i can't remember where it was um Somebody, I, I, I suppose you have to learn and you're developing all the time. But when what you realize is when someone, if they don't know someone, the coaches, the trainers, they all spar together. They all know everybody. So the amount of doors that open when you're chatting to one guy and everything else. So I know you're 100% right there. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, no, exactly. And then, so then I sat down with Dylan. Dylan was the first. Dylan and Vlad. I think Vlad. Yeah, Dylan, Vlad. Um, and, they, and we made a plan. And we, and we set that out. And then I rang up Steve O'Rourke, who I had a great relationship with for two or three years before that. I said, listen, I'm looking after Dylan and Vlad now. And then all of a sudden, I was like, oh, could you look after Ryan's thinking of going pro? And I said, yeah, 100%. Let's meet, sit down with Ryan. So we sat down with Ryan. And then when Ryan, and, and, and sorry, Victor as well. So we sat down with Victor. Um, and to be like, you know, listen, there's loads of great managers out there, um, all over the world and great management companies. And, they all do a great job for uh, for all their boxers. So you know, it's not. I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm I'm this and that, and I can deliver everything and anything. But what I will do is work 100 percent for the, for you. And if we get on, I'll go to the you know I'll run through a brick wall for the for the boxer. And listen, could other managers or whatever get the opportunity? So I'm getting the guys with with, with your star boxings and over in um, Spain and all that thing. Yeah, they could definitely, but. And they could be getting them better opportunities, maybe. But what I will say is, having that kind of real boutique stable of fighters that we're all so close knit. Like, um, like today, I rang up all the boxers there um, and said to them, "Listen, Tiernan's over in Spain on his own. He's normally there's three in, in all the fights in Spain and Poland recently. We've had four or five boxers um, on the one show, so they've all been there to support each other." I said, "Tiernan's bloody over on his own in Spain. Could we all send in a video?" wishing them luck and having that close-knit squad really enables us to it sounds kind of cliche or no, a bit no, no, like, it doesn't, know, crazy it doesn't, or whatever know exactly but, what you're but, talking but about. We, we, can, we can do it our way you know that sort of way nobody's going to force us to do anything that we don't want to do we don't have to be a, a small fish in a big pond you know we're, we're doing it our own way we're one team we're one unit you know we're all helping each other out and we're all do, we're all on a, the same mission together and um and that and that's what we're really looking to do and get get creative with it and get these opportunities and and see what's out there and work together as a small little unit as a team and and really push on and I think that's 
that's what the lads like in terms of, you know, they could go and sign with great, great companies and great teams and great uh, managers that might have 30, 40, 50 boxers, which to be fair, listen, Assassin was that company at one stage. We had 30 boxers and wasn't getting the, some boxers may have felt that they weren't getting the required attention. And listen, I get it. Like, you know, that's, you know, you're right. But not only are all the boxers now getting the, the right attention where, you know, I can speak to, I think I've spoken to every one of my boxers uh, today and I speak to them pretty much every day or at least three or four times a week. I'd speak to every single boxer. Um, but not only that, we're all on the same mission together. So it's not like we have one guy who thinks he's much better than everybody else or it's not like we have one guy who we're dragging along for the ride. Yeah. We're all we're all going in the same direction. And they're all we're at all similar around. parts of their journey as well, inclu- exactly, including yeah. yourself. Yeah, and 100%. And, that, and that's what I think... Um, I, 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 like I, I had a conversation with Tony there after his last fight, and he said that the same thing to me. He said, what, what I really like is that um, like you're out there to prove a point. He goes, like, you know, he, he, Tony might look at himself and say, listen, you know, he, guys will be turning over now after the Olympics, and he might be thinking, oh, Fucking hell, should I have waited for the Olympics? Should I have given it one more go for the Olympics? And I could have been turning pro and yeah. signing with whoever. But, and he, he, so he's now, and, and he's looking at me and saying, actually, maybe Connor's thinking the same thing. Like, I need to go and prove a point and show that I can, I can do this my way. And, um, and I think that's that the whole squad is really. Yeah, I love um, Tony, I have to say. And anyone that, like, it didn't take a genius if you knew him in any way, if you had any sort of relationship, that was a move. To go pro, there was obviously he was always going to be a pro, but anyone that knows anything about him knew he had where his heart was. His heart was set on Beijing, and it was a it was a matter of changing things around. And I spoke to him, and even when I spoke to him about the decision, you kind of got the idea in your head: are you are you fully down with this? Like, is this? But and you you can see by him now again, he's grown into it. It wasn't, it didn't happen. The timeline probably wasn't as it happened, but now look, I mean, he's two fights into a pro career when most lads are standing around kicking rocks, you know. No, a hundred percent. And and I, I mentioned this now with Tony. Like, um, so he he had his first fight, and he was actually supposed to fight a really good guy on his debut, and he ended up coming in about the, the the opponent, the fellow from Czech Republic, ended up coming in. I think it was like four or five kilos heavy, and you know we just didn't want to do that on the debut. It wasn't right to put a boxer in because that guy was then mm-hmm. going rehydrate. It could have been eight nine kilos in the difference, which is you know, the guts of two stone when they when they got in the. So we managed to get a late notice opponent in. Who, like, listen, no dis- disrespect to the fellow. The fellow's been around. He fought the likes of Conrad Cummins, fought Rowan Date, good people, but Tony was levels and levels above this fella, and he knocked him out in the first round. And listen, it was nice for Tony to get the knockout, get the, I always say the debut isn't about showing everything that you've learned in the gym over the last how many months. It's about getting all them nerves and butterflies and everybody texting you. Like, I guarantee you, Tony probably got. 500 text messages before his debut and he'll probably gotten 300 after his second fight and every time it will go down until he's back up in the title fight you know yeah, sort of way so yeah. it's not you, you don't want to you don't want like a I say a real fight like a, a 50-50 fight on your debut when you have all these different pressures and ideas running through your head but Tony then in a second fight you know we said listen we were supposed to have a good guy in the debut we, we missed out on that let's really go for a really good guy now and we fought a Cameroonian fella who That's lived right. in Spain and he had beaten, he had two wins, one defeat, which on paper doesn't look great, but his two wins were against, uh, one was a former Spanish champion and one was a former, I think he was a, I think he challenged for the Spanish title. So he, he had two really good wins on him. Um, and that fella, like, really, really he came, came to and fight had a go. As well. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, like, it was really, really tough 
tough, uh, tough fight for Tony. And and now we've we've just locked in a an opponent today. Tony's fighting in January, January twenty third, and we've just locked in an opponent today. And if that if Tony wins that fight, touch wood now on uh, January twenty third, that will put him in the top one hundred and fifty boxers in the world. Um, after three fights, and there's only two boxers, two other boxers in the top. Currently, there's only two boxers in the top 150 in the world in his weight division, um, with three fights or less. So Tony will join, and I think they're both from Uzbekistan, uh, or one's from Kazakhstan, one's from Uzbekistan. So Tony will join a really kind of elite list of being the third boxer in his weight division to enter the top 150 in the world after three fights or less. Yeah, and we're seeing is, we're seeing a, a, a rat. And just to touch on what you're saying there, like the likes of the difference in what you're doing, and this is not to berate any other system. Every every business and new business has a way of doing things and have a, a mindset and to have a business plan. I mean, we're seeing what we're seeing in boxing. And again, I come back to, I think it's a fresh approach. We're seeing the likes of 258. We're seeing Sam Jones. I only listened to Paul Reedy today talking about uh, Callum Smith. I listened to, I listened to that interview. Brilliant, Reedy, brilliant. Yeah. But yeah, he, yeah, yeah. they all have the same hands on approach. They care about, they're not looking for numbers. They're not looking to punch in numbers and have 20, 30, 40 fighters. They want to have the half dozen or 10 that they care about, that they work and live and love with and can, can relate to on a daily basis. And that, that's, I think, if that's what's coming from lockdown and COVID, I'll take it. You know what I mean? Because yeah, no, a hundred percent. And when when I when I made the decision to to do what I'm doing, that the people and this is I'm not just saying this now because you've mentioned names, but the people I had looked at were Sam Jones. I knew Sam for I've known Sam for a few. Well, I don't know him too well, but I dealt with him about four or five years ago, and I always followed his journey. And, you know, we've met a couple of times. Uh, uh, so definitely Sam, um, Mark Dunlop. Definitely carbon yeah, copy. Great fellow, yeah. You know, really, you know, he doesn't want he doesn't want any Tom, Dick, and Harry coming into his uh, setup. He wants the guys that he can. You know, I I always say to the lads, listen, I'll manage it. One, if I like you, if you give me everything, and I give you everything, and we're all on the same page. And also, if I can deliver for you, because I don't want to take on guys that have huge expectations and say, and they could be naive to it and say, oh, you know, they could be coming out of the novices and say, oh, well, I want to get me a deal with Matrim and I said, fuck it, don't work like that, <laughs> you know, so right, yeah. so I don't want to, or, or I don't want to over-promise people, like, you know, you get white-collar guys turned over and say, oh, I'll get you, I'll get you a deal in America or this, that and the other because I won't be able to do that. Whereas, when I sat down with Tony, I said, Tony, I know I can get you this and I can do this and I can do this for you and then it was up to me to deliver but never over-promise anything. So definitely taking that that, that uh, model and now Paul Reddy, I, I listened, I, I've known Paul actually for a couple of years because uh, he was the matchmaker at Matchroom, so we dealt on a couple of things together. Uh, but again, he looks like somebody that I'll definitely yeah. be uh, be modelling my. And even my from even on. from my experience this year, I suppose the new connections were the likes of Dave Caldwell, the likes of um, yeah. Johnny John Pegg there, who works with Sam Eglin, and they, he yeah. handles a huge amount. He's, he has what we what I what I I've. I can never bring myself to call them journeymen because they're such an, and, and you know something, this fella really, I'm not even going to say his name because I wouldn't give him the presence or the, or the, the, the pleasure of I think another, I think another yeah, one that you talk about. And he, and he just refers to them as numbers, you know what I mean? And I just see yeah. his, but I mean, that's disrespect without those guys and, and the, Again, I missed the point earlier. You said about Polish uh, away fighters and, and journeymen, if we want to call them that. But look at yeah. this, the big vote of confidence and the big sign of what, how good and what they're thought of is, uh, Frank Warren went across there and opened up an age, opened up an office in Poland, in Warsaw, I think, oh, early on in the year. 100%. So yeah, it tells yeah, you no, what they 100%. think of them, you know. 
no, 100%, you're dead right there. And uh, and just to touch on something, now that you mentioned Paul Reddy, uh, his interview, something that he does extremely well with his boxers, and again, I've been trying to do, which kind of differentiates from, from maybe others, that we're really looking at the matchmaking side of things for each boxer. So it's not just, right, Grant, Tony, do you want to fight on January 23rd? He goes, yeah, sound. And I go, right, okay, we'll just get in whoever. You know, we're, we're really looking like, I'll give an example. Um, what's his name? John Doherty, matchroom fighter, the, the Scottish boxer. Yeah. Unbelievable, unbelievable talent. Now he is a top, top level talent. And he'll go all the way in the sport if he if he keeps his head down and, and bounces back from that defeat to Jack Cullen. But what I will say is, all the way up, he was poorly matched. He never he he fought all the same types of people. He didn't have any come forward fighters he didn't have like you know he, yeah. you, you need you need a, an array of different you, like when I'm look, sitting down with Tony in Tony's first six fights seven fights I want him to fight uh, Southpaw I want him to fight yes. like, somebody that's taller than him I want him to fight you know yeah. fight somebody that's you know your typical kind of Eastern European stance I want him to fight that person that will come forward and sit on his chest and have all them different different fights under his belt so that when he goes and fights you know at a level up he'll have come across that type of fighter at a, at a level down and I think that's the thing that went against um, John Doherty when he fought Jack Cullen that he never you know he was kind of the first three or four rounds John Doherty won and won comfortably but then when Jack Cullen kind of figured him out he Doherty didn't know how to adapt to that situation and, yeah. and really um, and you'll know as well Connor you can relate to that by saying you can look at a lot of those matchroom prospects Ritson uh, Josh Kelly uh, Ted Cheeseman, a lot of those fellas were, exactly. came in that t- in that wave, and they were going to be the next big thing. They were given five, six, seven, eight, up to ten fights to make themselves look fantastic. Sh- uh, um, Sh- Shannon Courtney, there not that long ago, gave as well made look, and, and exactly. then all of a sudden, and now she's gone back to mammy, gone back to basics, given another fighter last week, and looked sensational. But when that initial step up was made, they couldn't answer exactly. the question. hundred no, percent right now, and that the names that you mentioned there, the ones I'm thinking of, Ted Cheeseman, again, terrific talent, and. On paper, you look at them and say, Jesus, yeah, they have been matched well on paper, but they're not, they're fighting the one type of fighters or they're fighting all the same. And they're, and then the ne- next thing you know, he comes up against, I think it was Ted Jesus fought Sergio Garcia, the Spanish fella, yeah. real back foot, technical, awkward fella. And Ted Jesus just ran out of ideas. And Evanesian is going to be, a, 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 I, I hope, I hope they know something we don't know because I, Josh Kelly, for me, I've not seen anything of him that tells me Evanesian is going to be, but, uh, I, you got to trust in Adam Boot and know. I think it, <clears throat> the caveat to all that is, and I guess I speak to to Sean O'Hagan regularly, mm. and uh, his was when they were matching Josh Warrington all the way up, and the other Josh, Josh Taylor as well. They were matched yeah. t- as tough as possible all the way up along. They were matched yeah. with tough warriors. Sort of. I remember Sean telling me he even brought Padjo Highland over at one stage to 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 Josh, and Josh was boxing Martin Lindsay and people like that who were boxing the ears off him. Like yeah. losing, but at the same time, he was learning so much from them in every fight. It, yeah. When he got to that level where he was asked all those questions, he had answered them unknown to himself. And what you're saying there just fits in perfectly with all those. No, oh, 100%. And Josh Kelly, really good example. You know, he didn't just go in, like people say, oh, he might have got that. You know, he fought for a world title quite early on in his career. Did they just pay guys that had good rankings? Do you know what? It wasn't even that. They Even from their six rounders that they had in uh, on undercards and everything else, they were building them in the right way like he came across every different type of fighter southpaws yeah. taller back foot fighters people that sit on your chest he, he came across it all He and not only it's not just oh brilliant he, he, he fought a southpaw for six rounds 
it was the fact that he hadn't he's already had an eight week camp for a southpaw. So then when he goes back exactly. and he's fighting a world champion who's a southpaw, well he's already had eight weeks sparring a southpaw. He's well used to it, he's comfortable doing it. And and that's that's something that I really tried to do. And with with Tony, um, as I said, he's go hopefully touch wood moving to the top one fifty in the world and that's from looking at these opponents and getting the right ones that will get him the right rankings and also getting the ones that will bring out different sides and test Tony in different ways. And and, and truth be told, we're doing the same with Tiernan. Uh, Dylan, like even Dylan, you know, Dylan in his first eight fights, he knocked out six people, I think. Yeah. And that was absolutely no use to us because one, it made it very difficult to match Dylan because all the boxers wanted more money because they thought they were going to get knocked out yeah. by Dylan. But also... You know, it was all well and good, but Dylan had never gone past four or five rounds. So what we've done really well, and I think it's Dylan's last 11 fights now, I think nine have gone the distance. So um, it's really about... He doesn't like um, it. He doesn't like it. I know about you, but you can see him. He's just itching to get them out of there. But no, you're... And you know what it is, Connor, as well? You're using that blueprint with the view, and the big picture is those lads are going across when... Cause, uh, going across to Guard, George DeGuardia and we know we know that they yeah they'll, they'll be the home fighter but similar to what Koke does with his guys he's telling you get in there and, and take him to the max take him to the limit oh. and if he's there for the take and take him so they it won't be that new yeah. to them when they get there and they see this and they witness it it's not it's not new to them and they'll just be it'll be business as usual for them and it's it imagine imagine they will have done all this in a lockdown phase when everyone else is sitting as I said going around kicking rocks and they have that contract with with Starbucks and to, to walk to eventually when 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 everything resumes. That's that's a, that's that's not a bad twenty twenty one for you lads to be looking forward to. No, exactly. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And we've set it up nicely, and we're just kind of waiting on the call now for America. Um, I know. I think um, I think the US announced that they're lifting. The, is the 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 issue is that it's quarantining when you arrive in America that you have to quarantine for two weeks. So obviously that would mean that. Uh, the lads couldn't then train properly for two weeks so that's, that's the issue but I believe they're looking at lifting that in kind of January, February time for Europe and Brazil so that America will essentially be back open again so if that comes in and hopefully kind of February, March even hopefully then by by April we should well, be listen, over there I think, I think Joe Biden is suddenly after realising or deciding he's Irish so maybe he'll yeah. be like, yeah. all of a sudden we hadn't heard much about him all the way and then he got but um, but all in all Connor, I suppose it's it's um it's been it's been a frustrating 2020 in many ways, mm. but looking at it with the positive hat and looking forward and being being what you have to be as a, as a manager of, of people and boxers especially, because they're a special breed. They're, they're, and anyone that's not around them, I say this all the time, and, and maybe I'm biased. And yeah, if I am, I am. I'll, I'll wear that hat. But um, they yeah. are a special breed. They do, and I've said this to so many people, just, just for them lads to get to the ring to fight. Some of the stuff they have yeah. to go through, it, it beggars belief at times. And, and that's even just at an Irish show level. So when it goes yeah. above and beyond that, you know what I'm talking about. We all know what we're talking about. So it's, um, yeah, no, 100%. They're, they're a special bunch of fellas. And, um, how satisfying is it then when you see all things coming together and they get the hand raised, all be at the different levels as they go along? But each time the level goes up and up and up, they're going with it. That must be very satisfying as a promoter and a manager. 100%. Yeah. And definitely there's, it's, um, I think anybody that kind of chooses a profession to get hit in the head uh, repeatedly, it has to be a special special type of breed. But uh, no, I think, yeah, definitely. Uh, listen, I, I get a buzz and adrenaline off, mm. you know, taking these 50-50 fights. You know, I got to the stage a couple of years ago where we, you know, you're watching guys just kind of going through the motions, doing four-rounders, and you knew the result before the, the fight even started. 
I get a buzz off them fights in Spain where you're like, fuck it, you know, if if we're not if we're below par here, we're not gonna get our hands raised. So yeah, it's um no, it's really it's normally the, the, the next day after the fight that I just feel shattered the dump like, oh, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, oh. before I let you go I wanted to ask, and, and you don't have to name any names but uh, it's just a tongue in cheek uh, cheeky cheeky arse, cheeky bastard question of me but has there ever been with all the lads you've dealt with and, and, and you've I suppose you've, you've got a fair bit of experience for a fella you'd be considered young in the business um, I, do, I don't believe yeah. in numbers I don't believe in age I don't believe you can look at box rec and see an awful lot of numbers and they don't mean shit when the bell goes so um, I yeah. think if you're good enough at something you're old enough and and, and that's the way I've always worked. Uh, it's it's only ever a number is only ever something that you, you refer to. But has there ever been um, in your time in a, a fighter where or a, or a scenario where you've worried that okay this lad's going to put one on me here? I better <laughs> or, or, or I didn't do the best for him or or, uh, he, <laughs> or are they always just are they always just a lot of hot air when it comes to managers and fighters? Uh, I t- tell you one that jumps out of my memory because I did shit myself on this one was. Um, it was after that last show win um, uh, in Dublin, the Clash of the Titans one, and I was looking after Franzi at the time, oh. and Franzi boxed Martin Quinn uh, on that show, and to, I stand by it to this day, I think Franzi did win that fight, and I was shocked that he, the decision went to Martin Quinn, but listen, Martin Quinn's a terrific boxer, it was an unbelievable fight, and that fight should really happen again, but... Um, it was and it was very close, but afterwards I went up. Uh, congratulations! I said, really, I, I think Francie should have won that one because I have to be truthful. You know, there's no mm. point in just saying whatever. And uh, he goes, what, what? What are you talking about? What? You know, he he thought that he easily won the fight. It was just a disagreement over that, but uh, he probably doesn't even remember. But. Um, Marty's a passionate fella as well when he's at it yeah, and when exactly. he's at it yeah. but Francie's a great fella I clicked, clicked with Francie very early on as well and uh, he's he's a fella I'm hoping to have all over the Christmas with himself and, and he has a, a rapper mate JLOL I'm hoping to have yeah, him yeah, yeah, on yeah. over the Christmas Jay is in yeah. Nigeria at the moment so that'll be a force for Brilliant. the podcast as well but um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of times that I don't think there has been I remember like you, you learn things very quickly I remember the first time a boxer that I was with or accompanying or whatever you want to call it um, had lost and I remember thinking fucking hell how am I going to go into the dressing room here like you know what do I say to this boxer he was, just like, yes. he was an undefeated fighter I was like what, like what am I supposed to do but you just quickly learn these things and yeah um, I find that as well and, and I suppose I can relate a lot to what you're saying there because I mean I genuinely love what I'm doing and I, and, and, it, and it's I, I hear it a bit some people say a lot I, I, I tend not to listen to I not I don't listen to the good or the bad too much. I just thank th- thanks and keep moving. You know what I mean. I don't let it, yeah, yeah, because yeah. a pat in the back generally is a kick in the arse that went wrong. So you kind of just yeah. keep going and thank and and be humble and everything else. But um, one of the things I try to do is with all and it's not possible with every fighter. It's not possible because mm, they're no. they're all so different. There's no two fighters that are the same. But I try to I try to just keep in touch with them and 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 build little relationships so that I'm not just looking for something from them when it's fight week. So there's always yeah. somewhere along the line. Um, it's not possible with all of them, but with, with, with the majority of them, it works, you know. But the worst yeah, that yeah. can race of all is after a fight when one of them's out to lose, and then you got. I know my heart and soul. There's nothing that any human on the planet can say that's going to make them feel any way better. But it's still, it, for me, it's worse not to try, you know. And that's that's the yeah, thing, no, hundred so. percent, yeah. And like one of the worst, I, I was probably nineteen, twenty. I don't know what age, but it was about a year into working in boxing, so I've been around it a bit, but. You know, not heavily, but uh, one of the boxers that we looked after, Ben Jones, he was uh, he was 
WB, he's retired now, but he was number four in the world. I remember WBO, that man, yeah. um, In the featherweight division. Um, and he fought Jason Cunningham in New York off for the Commonwealth title. And if he came through that, he was in line to fight for the world title against Kid Galahad on a Eubank undercard. And Ben lost on a split decision. I just remember thinking, like, you know, and I actually remember that, that, that fight really, really affected me because I remember just thinking, I remember the next day I was living over in London at the time and I think I just, I went on a walk and I think I just walked on for about three hours just processing, like, you know, the, you know, Ben was a one judge putting down a 10 instead of a nine away from landing, you know. You do, you, do, uh, you definitely do. You go into that finer set and, and that's, I think, I think as well, from an experience, and I know you're coming at it from a different point of view because you're handling their livelihood, you're handling their, the, the management side of it. But from my point of view, I think, I see the, the media impact it can have on them. I used to think that these guys, and, and I've, I've got very good, uh, relationship now with Wayne McCullough and I speak to him an awful lot. And, and it, I suppose it, it gives you a special glimpse and a special insight to someone who's reached the very top. But you realize as well that they're, they're no different. None of them are any different to me, you, or the next person. They're, yeah. they have the same concerns. They're the same frailties. They're, the, the shit that people say, and especially on Twitter and places like that, it, it affects them. So yeah, hundred percent. And, and people no, need to be aware of it when they're talking to them. And and I genuinely think at this day and age that, that that there needs to be something put in place. If someone is constantly going around abusing and rabbiting and 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 slabbering to fighters or or celebrities in general, they need to be just dealt with, you know. And, and um, yeah, no, hundred percent. Because they wouldn't dare do it if there was a knock at the door on one of the lads. Any one of the lads or girls, for that matter, were standing in front of them. You can be fairly no. sure the colour would run out. No, hundred percent. Yeah, no, no, hundred <laughs> percent. But uh, Connor, I suppose to wrap it up now, um, it's mm, been, as I said, it's been. It's been a it's been a year. I think the best thing we can do is say 2020. You can draw a circle around it. Everyone is going to have a note to make of their own. It'll be a different note under 2020 for me. If it finishes now, I I will have finished probably better than I would have thought halfway through the year. Not where yeah. I wanted at the beginning of the year. So for me, that's yeah. a win. So I'm taking yeah. it as a win going forward. And um, no, definitely looking forward to 2021 with with real um, with real vigor and real real enthusiasm for yourself. Um, you, you've been busy over the last few weeks. You look you look forward to a couple of breaks, a couple of weeks break, or, or a couple of days anyway, maybe. Um, yeah. <laughs> what, what is it then? You're straight into a show then in January with Tony. Is there anything beyond that that you can that you're working on? Or yeah. So so just to finish on 2020. Um... I suppose Tiernan fights this weekend, as we said at the start of the show. Um, he fights on Sunday, and if Tiernan comes through, that that will be the twentieth of fight of the year for kind of my stable. Wow. And if Tiernan comes through, that will be twenty wins out of twenty. So hopefully, all going well, and uh, that will be that will be twenty out of twenty. And then, yeah, as you said, January twenty third, we're over in Belgium. Uh, Tony Brown is fighting on that, and so is Vladimir Belusky. Just again, keep building, keep uh, keep going, and Vlad's kind of just waiting for that big opportunity again because since his defeat for the WBC Youth World Title, where that was his first real kind of big test, and he needed that in terms of you know figuring out where he was on the on the ladder. Um, since then, I think he's now four five, four wins on the bench, and he went over to Poland, beating undefeated guy over there, and now he's kind of just waiting um, for that call again for another title fight. So that's that's Vlad's. Uh, kind of story, and then he's, he's some then, man. I'm looking forward to catching up with him. I'm due to yeah, catch no, up with him in the next be, couple of days, yeah, so he's a great no, fan. That would be a really good one. Uh, and then February, we're looking at a show, two shows in Spain in February, um, and all the guys will be that kind of cycle starts again. So Ryan will be out, Victor, Tiernan, 
all the lads will be will be out again and we have listen we have plans in place for may june september october of next year already but again it's a rolling yeah it's a rolling plan and tell me this connor i suppose it you sound very you sound to be fair to you you sound like a man you're on top of everything you've got a plan you've got things you're 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 fluid but you're also um you're you're realistic like you're not trying to make plans six eight ten months down the line when when nobody really can but if we're looking at as was next year's an olympic cycle it'll come to an end you're going to look at some moving on moving through the olympics some from your point of view have you got what you need now or have you got what you want or are you constantly just keeping an eye out as in mark dunlop style looking for the right fit to what you've got already well, listen, at the end, of the day, I'm just a boxing fan at the end of the day. So I'm always interested in who's doing well and who's doing what. So I'm always kind of keeping an eye on that sort of thing in that regard. And then, as I said, I'd love to sign more boxers. But at the end of the day, it will have to be, what can I do for you? And listen, if I think, listen, I have a close relationship with Joe DeGuardi at the moment. And we are talking about amateurs in, in the Irish system that are currently amateurs and guys that are kind of thinking of going pro and whatever else. Now I haven't spoken to any of these guys really in any in any capacity. I, I, I'm maybe once or twice throughout the years, but I'm just saying, li- listen to Joe. Joe, if you're interested in this guy or that guy, I can approach them, do this, that, and the other, and kind of just brokering things on that side. Uh, but again, as I said, it, will, it will all comes down to what I, if I can yeah. deliver upon your expectations of what being a professional boxer is, and if I can do that, then let's go. But if I can't, that's that's perfect and, and and do you know what if there's somebody else there offering you something really good go with that like I said at the top of the hour it's refreshing to speak with a promoter manager who genuinely cares and is transparent honest from the jump and sets his stall out from day one as to what he expects from you and what you expect from him as a professional fighter manager. Thanks to Connor for his time. I, as I said, really enjoyed it. I've been working in the background to get to Connor probably for the last five or six weeks. But he's been a busy man, and you can see now where and how and why. It was, uh, it was, as I said, really, really insightful, and it's brilliant, as I said, always to let people see. Just a little bit, a little bit of what goes into the business side of the boxing game, which gets a bad rep at times and deserves it at times. But at other times, there's decent, genuine, real people like Conor Slater there grafting away for his fellas all the time. It must be it must be very, very refreshing to know that when you're in the hurt box, in camp, cutting those final few pounds, doing everything you've got to do to get yourself to the ring, come fight night to know that you've got somebody like Connor Slater representing you and your best business interests at heart so as I said thank you Connor for your time thank you for listening it's been a it's been a week of feet up relaxing stuff in the face and it's going to be another couple of days of that for me and as much as I'd love to be able to say oh I've put on too much this too much that I really 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 love at this time of the year and wish that I could put on maybe even a half a stone because my hands and my feet are freezing all the time. But no, not happening, not happening. But I'll keep trying. I'll keep endeavouring to get that polar bear <laughs> diet in motion over these next few days. 
I'm going to have another episode coming over the next couple of days with Connor Quinn. Watch out for that one. From me and them until then, thank you for listening. Thank you for taking a little bit of time out of your Christmas holidays. Please, if you could, just share it. Spread the love. And I'll be back with you real soon. In the meantime, stay safe. Stay sane. Keep smiling. All's well that ends well.